The Man at the Gate is the title of the message for this morning. But I want to say in introducing that, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. There's an emergency. We are in trouble. And we don't realize it. We need help. And we know what we need. And where to get it from, for the most part. Sadly, many of us, maybe, maybe not, but many of those who know that they are in trouble and have a need, do not know the giver of the answers to that need. We don't know the giver intimately. We know about him. We can all say his name. We sing about him. We can speak about him, but we don't know him intimately. And so the Mayday call is always off target and the bullseye remains intact. The real need remains unattended. Oh, people do the church thing, but they display nothing different than the rest of society. Maybe we can ask ourselves when we walk out here today, would anyone recognize us in the crowd? Or are we just fitting in with our lives? People all over moan and grumble and curse and batter their bodies with drugs, cigarettes and alcohol included. People cling to immoral values and liberal values and we expect to hit the target while we call ourselves Christians. And then so many wonder why the real prayers in our hearts are not answered. Well, James chapter 4 and verse 3 gives us a hint as to why this might be so. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That wrong motives could mean a wrong attitude of heart. It could be that we are not focused on the real needs. When we ask for money and then money is not the answer but bad spending, we need wisdom for that. Maybe that's the answer, a bit of wisdom. More money is going to bring more bad spending maybe. So you see, we ask with wrong motives that you may spend on what you get on your pleasures. All too often our requests of God are for our own good and not according to God's will. God's will, after all, is interested in our good. But we think we know better. But let me stop making everyone feel bad and move on to the next point. Let's look at Solomon for a moment. He asked for wisdom. But a number of years down into his rule, he seemed to forget the wisdom 
of the hundreds of wives and the hundreds of girlfriends. No wisdom in that, I can assure you. What did he do with the wisdom that God gave him and offered him? What about the rich young man that asked what he needed to do to be saved? And when he was answered, he didn't like the answer. So he asked amiss. He was asking with a preconceived idea of what he wanted to hear. What about the man who lay at the pool waiting for the water to be stirred so that he could dump himself in and be healed of, of his infirmities? And he never made it because he was never quicker than some of the other younger dudes that got in before him. But he relied on the stirring of the water rather than relying on Jesus Christ, the giver of our real needs. Are you getting the picture? We ask things, but very often what we ask is not the real need. What about Judas? He seemed to be so close to Jesus as a friend, and yet he gave it all up for a few pieces of silver. He thought his need was money, but it brought him no joy. It brought him an end. <coughs> Nations ask for peace. Citizens ask for an end to governmental incompetence, greed, and corruption. Churches ask for growth, but they ask amiss. The real problem lies a little bit deeper than what is being asked. The real need is a little deeper and a little more serious than what is being asked. I think we have the picture now. And then we get down to the core of the message today. And then there was an anonymous man at the gate called Beautiful. A gate called Beautiful. A very special gate where the people entered to get to the temple. A, a gate that was an amazing place, not only because of its adornments, but because it was the place just like when you enter in here, it's exciting to get into the yard, it's exciting to get inside the building, because this is a place called beautiful as well, maybe. A place where we can just revel and, and wallow in the word of God and, and with friendship and, and in God's presence. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10, the story of this anonymous man is told. His name is never given. So you can place your name whenever he is spoken. You can put your name in there when him is used or the man is used. Let's read it quickly. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Uh, just to mention that that wasn't the only time of prayer. The time of prayer was three times a day. This was the afternoon prayer time. At three in the afternoon, 
Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple, into the courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's the story of the man at the gate. Now, there were three sessions, as we see in this account. There were three prayer sessions of the day, and this was happening at the afternoon session. For you and me, however, we are a little bit different. We have a different privilege today. We don't have to wait for 9 o'clock or 12 o'clock or 3 o'clock to go and speak to the Lord. You see, because maybe they thought he was busy for the rest of the day, so they made those appointments for him. They made those appointments. Jesus, just listen, I'll be there either at 9 o'clock or 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock, and I hope you're not busy with someone else. Today, his ear is always inclined to the prayers of his people. He's always listening, always alert to what we need. And more so, might I add, to what we really need. He sees past our mere words but we need to learn to become honest with ourselves. What do we really need? What does South African really need? What does the church really need? We don't really need numbers. We don't really need the corruption to be dealt with in our country. We need godly attitudes. We need God-respecting lives. We need humility. We need honor of the only true God. And all these things will be added as well. We can seek intimacy with God at any time. And the word says we are to pray continually. And I've mentioned it before, but that does not mean that you go into your office and you say, well, I'm not working today because I'm going to pray continually. My dear friend, when you are making supper, my dear mommy, wifey, when you're making supper for your family, you are praying with the skills that you use. You are in effect saying, Lord, thank you for this ability. Thank you for these ingredients. Lord, look what I'm making. 
When you are busy about your work at your workplace during the day, oh Lord, these talents are from you, these gifts are from you, and I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to work as unto the Lord, not as unto men. When you come to church, you don't come here to please the pastor or please your friends. You come here to say, Lord, I find it such a joy to be at any place where the word of God is being looked at. When you're driving your motor car, Lord, thank you for this transport. Tying your shoelaces, thank you for these shoes, Lord. Look, I can even tie shoelaces. Thank you for that ability. When you hug your children or your wife or your husband, oh Lord, thank you for the ability to hug. Thank you, Lord, for, the, for, for this person that you have put into my life. You see, we are praying, we are communicating with God all the time. This man who was crippled from birth was brought probably three times a day to the temple courts or to that gate to beg. He knew he was in need. I'm not sure if he knew what he needed. He asked for alms. Some of the, some of the versions of the Bible say alms, A-L-M-S, is merely just money set aside for, the, for benevolent acts. Money set aside for those who are poor. We read a story in the Bible where God gave the command, uh, I believe it's in Leviticus, gave the command when you reap your harvest, leave don't bundle up that which you cut on the edges of the land. Leave a little bit for the poor that they might gather. You see, there was, it was a way of life, giving to the poor. And, and of course, many people milked that. Many people milk it even today. They'll stand on a corner instead of getting a job. And there is work available. They stand begging instead of putting their hands to work because there are always people who will give their arms to these folk. And yes, there are some people who really can't find work, so I'm not trying to belittle them. There are people that are really in need. There are people who are unable to do things. There are people who have been outcast from society. And yes, we need to take care of them. But in those days, there was a special place. There was special means kept for those poor. But this guy, all he could think of was money. So temporary. So short-lived. So short-lasting. If we get money, it's in this hand and it's out of that hand. You walk into one of the supermarkets with a hundred bucks in your hand and you buy a little packet of stuff and the hundred bucks is gone. And you've got a few things for the day. It's so temporary. Is that what the man needed? As he asked for money, as he begged for money, as he prayed for money, is that what he really needed? No, folks, he needed working legs. He needed legs that could cart him around. He needed legs that he didn't have to be carried. That was far more important than the money. But he asked for money. 
not see beyond now. And you know what? For you and myself, and for so many in the world, that is the picture of the effect of sin in our lives. Our, the sin in our lives causes us to be short-sighted. The sin in our lives causes us to, to not see the goodness of God. The, the, the sin in our lives causes us to be blurred when it comes to our relationship with a Jesus who cares deeply. We ask for money, but he has never said that he would leave us nor forsake us. He has told us in the word that his children would never go hungry. But what about the legs that don't want to work? What about the fingers that are going numb as my do regularly every day? Instead of praying for a pension that I don't have to work, <laughs> I should be praying, Lord, just give me the ability to feel. Thank you, Lord, you can do that. Because I want to be effective in society. I want to carry on. I want to make an impact. I want to be busy. I want to give you glory. I want to be able to hug people, and if I can't feel, I might hit someone's breath out when I, I can't feel, and I knock them on the back. We are always at the gate, but never entering in like this anonymous man. The sight of the beautiful gate makes many moggy in their minds. They don't see Jesus for who he is. We suffer the same condition psychologically and spiritually. As kids, we rebel. We push the boundary and we are anarchic in nature. We rebel against authority. We like to be in charge of our own decisions. Even adults suffer this affliction. And some positive persuasion is necessary to iron out some of these kinks. And believe me, if you are anything like me, so I was speaking to someone the other day, we were trimming, uh, cleaning gutters here at the school and I climbed up on the ladder and there's a very thorn, thorny leafed tree that I had to brush up again and, and my, my workmate said to me, just watch out, those, those thorns are going to stick you in the rear end. I said, man, my, thorn, my rear end is like some of those old mamas of long ago that never had shoes and they used to walk in the felt and they, the skin on their shoes was, uh, on their feet was like an inch thick and they could tramp on glass and thorns and, and never felt a thing. My behind is like that from school days. I've got so many hidings. I've got tough here, man. And that toughness has gone dead and it has stayed. Sometimes we are like that in life. We become so thick-skinned but we don't change. Spiritually, we have inherited Adam and Eve's depravity and we seriously need that mayday, mayday call for a get-out-of-jail pass. Jesus is the giver of the get-out-of-jail pass. He's the one who died on the cross for our diseases. He suffered the stripes on his back for our diseases. 
he, he died, went to jail, he, went, he was put into a cave, he was put into a tomb and died on our behalf. And he rose again from the dead to, so that he can come and offer us new life. And we ask him us, instead of asking for new life, Instead of asking for that real, not only physical healing, but spiritual healing, we ask for money. We ask for relief. We ask for those temporary things instead of asking for that deep-seated root of the problem that we might be facing. He asked them for money. But what this young man needed was working legs. Peter looked straight at him. And I can imagine, the look. you know, Peter, Peter always had the picture of a wild, bushy-haired character because he always did things before he thought and, and so on, and he was the wild one. Um, and he would have looked at him, and I can imagine this head, this hair sticking up like this. And he said, look at us! And he was quite a mean character by the sounds of it. Jesus looks at us in the eyes as well. Many times with, with some of the things that go wrong in our lives, when he says, listen man, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get your attention. I lost everything before I got saved because God needed to get my attention. My son nearly wrecked his life before he left alcohol. And you know, Dwayne, he wrecked his motor car, hit the windscreen out of his car, and never suffered a bruise. But he woke up, and he hasn't taken a sip of alcohol since then. It's ages now. Five years now five years he hasn't touched it we need to be shaken up sometimes things go wrong in our lives because God is trying to punish us or because he has disappeared from us but he's trying to catch our attention like Peter saying to this man look at us and I want to say to you and I today let's pay attention God is shouting like Peter shouted look at me he says Think of that, the picture of, of Peter when Jesus was being questioned before his crucifixion. If any one of you saw that movie, what is it called again? The Passion of the Christ. As the rooster crowed, there's a scene that shows Peter looking into the the courtyard where Jesus is being questioned and their eyes meet and it speaks volumes. The rooster is crowing in your life and my life and Jesus is looking straight at us. He doesn't have to say a word. We know what we need to do. We need to get closer to him. Jesus demands our attention. Even his scarred hands, feet, and side are available for examination by anyone who doubts or anyone who needs to see. We have the word of God before us. 
that we, we believe is the word of God and we have faith in this word of God and it explains everything. It tells us the truth. So we simply need to look at his word and we can see his hands, his side and his feet. We have a full account of Jesus and his spirit in us. With the call from Peter to look at us, he pays attention. And he doesn't receive what he thought he was going to receive. And Peter and John knew that. Peter said to him, silver and gold we do not have. Can perhaps imagine, oh, now what? Someone else trying to tell me to catch a wake up and go and get a job. You see, that's easy. Go and get a job. That's not the answer. But let's get something sorted out inside you first. I've got some money for you. Yeah, that's fine. That's nice. That helps me for now. But it doesn't change. Tomorrow I'll be at the gate again. Peter says, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have. And let me just tell you that everyone sitting here today has what Peter had. Everyone sitting here has what John had. And we have it not for ourselves, we have it for the unidentified man at the gate. We have it for those who are seeking and not finding because they seek amiss. Those who are praying amiss, you and I have the real answer. Not because we are the wise ones, because God has provided for us for them. It's important to note that this man knew from where his help would and did come. Hence he sat at the temple gate and not outside of the local spa where he found himself. It would seem that though he knew this, however, a relationship with the anointed one, with the God of Peter and John was not a very good one. It was a vague notion. And for you and I, however close we get to God, however religious we become, even while we might sit in the church, we might be at the temple gate, we need Jesus to save our lives. We don't just need him to provide financially. We don't just need him to, to fix that relationship. We need him to start here yeah, inside. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't really need the money. We don't really need all those other things. Yeah, we've got need of those things. But the real need is something far deeper and something that can only be attained when we know the giver. When we know him intimately. When we can come to him without fear and we can say, Lord, I need what you have for me. Teach me, lead me. 
And as I close off, I want to say to all of us today that we are to take not another step until we read 1 Chronicles 16, verse 11 and 12, where it says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done. His miracles and the judgments he pronounced. And it goes on to Hebrews 10 and verse 22, the first part of verse 22, where it says, let us draw near to God with, full, with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Are you in need today, my friend? Are you short in something, in some area of your life? Ask God. Come to him in faith. Come to him knowing him. Come to him lovingly. Come to him Humbly come to him with a deep desire to get closer, not just for your own good, but for the good of those around you and for the glory of God. For a Christian, breakthrough comes when the relationship with Christ is deep, genuine, risking all, acknowledging even failures. That's honesty with the Lord. Peter was told, walk. And he walked. And when he looked at his own situation, he sank. But when he was told to walk, he walked on the water. The unknown man was told, walk. And he walked. We are told, call to me, walk. But we call to him amiss and we stumble along our merry way. Jesus gave his life and his resurrection life so that we can walk and live as well. Live in abundance. Live in excess. Not in wild abandon, but in excess of joy and peace. And that's what Jesus has for you. Mayday, mayday, mayday. We are in need. Let's call to him.